AI-powered propaganda. Artificial intelligence brings myriad opportunities, but the risk to democracy is real. AI-powered propaganda. Artificial intelligence brings myriad opportunities, but the risk to democracy is real. You're listening to Technical News Reading, presented by Hakeem Alibokis Alexander on Colin Social Podcasting, presented for World Reading Club Technical News Reading in association with Uniquilibrium. This edition's reading focus comes to us from New Scientist, the weekly magazine. This is July 29th through August 4th, 2023. And it's a special issue, Living with AI. This first one is the leader here, and again, it's titled AI-Powered Propaganda. Artificial intelligence brings myriad opportunities, but the risk to democracy is real. Eagle-eyed readers will recognize this as our second special issue of the year on artificial intelligence. It is unusual for us to return to a topic so soon, but AI is moving so fast and attracting so much comment from the insightful to the hysterical that it is important to offer a clear-eyed look at the risks and opportunities it brings. The first thing to say is that there is more to AI than the new generation of chatbots that have sparked the recent hubbub. The first thing to say is that there is more to AI than the new generation of chatbots that have sparked the recent hubbub. Different forms of the technology have already solved some serious scientific problems. Researchers have applied AI to everything from protein folding, which is revolutionizing biology and drug development, to the quest for commercially viable nuclear fusion. That isn't to say generative AI, which creates text and images in response to human prompts, isn't useful. Forecasts suggest a general productivity boost from these systems could raise annual global GDP by 7%. If distributed equally and not funneled exclusively into the hands of shareholders, that could lift millions out of poverty and improve quality of life. We might all put generative AI to good use to save time on day-to-day tasks we might otherwise find tricky or tedious. But there are risks, and here we must think clearly with regard to what to worry about. Rather than focusing on vague warnings of existential threats from a hypothetical super-intelligent AI, or even a conscious one, we should pay more attention to extant problems. One immediate risk in danger of being overlooked is AI's ability to amplify the spread of false information. Distortion or fabrication of facts by AI could be accidental due to sloppy safeguards, or it could come in the form of deliberate propaganda. In any case, with elections around the corner in both the UK and the US, surely the most pressing concern is AI's capacity 
to supercharge the distortion of the democratic processes. The worry is that there seems to be precious little in place to combat the threat. Let's take a look at some of these references here. So, in this paragraph we have the first thing to say is that there is more to AI than the new generation of chatbots that have sparked the recent hubbub. It says see page 33. Let's take a look what we've got there. Chatbots. Alright. So, yes, cover story, AI special report. Let's take a look. So that is, let me just make sure my reference is correct. I was looking at here. I thought it said page 33, but it looks like it starts on page 32. Well, it does say page 33, but let's look at what it is on page 32. So it's the cover story, AI special report. How to think about AI and how to live with it. Artificial intelligence has exploded into the public consciousness, thanks largely to the meteoric rise of AI-powered tools like ChatGPT, with its ability to generate fluent text, and DAL-E, which creates compelling images in response to prompts in a similar way. AI is more powerful than ever and more available to everyone, sparking a fresh wave of hopes and fears about how it will ultimately reshape our world. But even in its current form, AI has the power to transform the way we live and work. With so much happening so quickly, it can be hard to make sense of exactly what AI is capable of now and what it might be able to do in the future. It actually says what it might be able to do in future. All right. I wonder if AI wrote this. Over the next eight pages, we tackle some of the biggest issues from how to use AIs to the risks they pose and whether they can ever be conscious. All right. The first thing we have here is how does chat GPT work and does it really think like us? And let's see how long this one here is. Well, mm, so Ed Gent does this and it's just a few pages. Well, Let's take a look and see how far I'm willing to take this for now, starting on page 33. All right. So again, how does ChatGPT work and does it really think like us? The current whirlwind of interest in AI is largely down to the sudden arrival of a new generation of AI-powered chatbots capable of startlingly, 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 startingly human-like text-based conversations. The big change came last year when OpenAI released ChatGPT. Overnight, millions gained access to an AI-producing responses that are so uncannily fluent that it has been hard not to wonder if this heralds a turning point of some sort. There has been no shortage of hype. Microsoft researchers given early access to GPT-4, the latest version of the system behind ChatGPT, argued that it has already demonstrated sparks of the long-sought machine version of human intellectual ability known as artificial general intelligence. 
One Google engineer even went so far as to claim that one of the company's AIs, known as Lambda, was sentient. The naysayers, meanwhile, insist that these AIs are nowhere near as impressive as they seem. All of which can make it hard to know quite what you should make of the new AI chatbots. Thankfully, things quickly became or things quickly become clearer when you get to grips with how they work and, with that in mind, the extent to which they think like us. At the heart of all these chatbots is a large language model, LLM, a statistical model or mathematical representation of data, which is designed to make predictions about which words are likely to appear together. LLMs are created by feeding huge amounts of text to a class of algorithms called deep neural networks, which are loosely inspired by the brain. The models learn complex linguistic patterns by playing a simple game. The algorithm takes a passage of text, randomly masks out some words, and then tries to fill in the gaps. They are, in short, trained to predict the next word. And by repeating the process over and over, they can build up sophisticated models of how language works, says Morella Lapata at the University of Edinburgh, UK. Recent breakthroughs are largely down to a new type of neural network invented in 2017 called a transformer, which can process data far more efficiently than previous approaches. This made it possible to train much larger models on vast tracts of text scraped from the internet. Transformer-based systems are also much better at understanding context, says Lapata whereas older versions could only consider a few words either side of the missing one. Transformers can process much longer strings of text, meaning they can tease out more complex and subtle linguistic relationships. What turns otherwise unwieldy statistical models into smooth-talking chatbots, meanwhile, is humans rating the output of AIs on criteria like helpfulness and fluency. The data is then used to train separate preference model or to train a separate preface model that filters an LLM's output. Remember, LLM is large language model. Put this together and you get what we have today, namely a text-based computerized conversational partner, often indistinguishable from a human. The fact that this was achieved using a premise as simple as next word prediction caught a lot of people by surprise says Tal Linden at New York University. But it is important to remember that the way these AIs operate almost certainly isn't the way human cognitive processes work. They learn in such a fundamentally different way from people that it makes it very improbable that they think the same way people do, says Linden. Here, the mistakes chatbots make are instructive. They are prone to confidently trumpeting falsehoods as facts, something often referred to as hallucination, because their output is entirely statistical. It doesn't do fact-checking, fact-checking, says Lapata. It just generates output that is likely or plausible, but not necessarily true. This has led some commentators to disparage chatbots as stochastic parrots and their output as nothing more than a blurry JPEG of the web. The gist of these jives is that the new LLMs aren't as impressive as they first appear, that what they do is merely the imperfect memorization of training data cleverly stitched back together 
to give the false impression of understanding. Emergent abilities. And yet there are some indications that LLMs might be doing more than just regurgitating training data, data says Raphael Millier at Columbia University in New York. Recent research suggests that after training for long enough, models can develop more general rules that give them new skills. You get this transition from memorization to the formation of circuits inside the neural network that will be implementing certain algorithms or certain rules to solve the tasks, he says. This may help to explain why, as LLMs increase in size, they often experience sudden jumps in performance on certain problems, says Millier. This phenomenon has been referred to as emergence and has led to speculation about what other unexpected capabilities AIs could develop. It is important not to get carried away. This term is very seductive, says Millier. It even looks like the models suddenly becoming self-aware or things like that. That's not what we're talking about. Even so, Millier thinks there's a rich middle ground between the naysayers and hype merchants. While these chatbots are far from replicating human cognition, in some narrow areas, they might not be so different from us. Digging into these similarities could not only advance AI, he says, but also sharpen our understanding of our own cognitive capabilities. That is uh, by Ed Gent. Continuing, the question asks, how will generative AI transform the world and your future? Like it or not, the age of generative AI is upon us. Anyone with an internet connection now has access to tools that can answer almost every question under the sun. Write everything from university essays to computer code and produce art or photorealistic images. The jury is still out on whether all this represents a stride towards super intelligent AI. Even if progress stagnates, however, the capabilities available today could profoundly affect the economy, jobs, education, culture, and more. So how is the current generation of AI going to reshape the world and your life in the next five to 10 years? Broadly speaking, forecasters are predicting that generative AI will boost economic productivity and growth in advanced economies. A report released by Goldman Sachs in March predicts that generative AI could, within a decade, raise annual global GDP by 7%, which translates to a roughly $7 trillion increase. The combination of significant labor cost savings, new job creation, and a productivity boost for non-displaced workers raises the possibility of a labor productivity boom like those that followed the emergence of earlier general-purpose technologies like the electric motor and personal computer, says the report. The idea is that AI will make millions of knowledge workers like scientists, editors, lawyers, and doctors more productive within a few years. But the truth is that these things are hard to predict and assess, especially as the output of such workers is notoriously difficult to measure. One area where generative AI is stoking anxiety is employment. But the picture could be different to previous waves of automation, says Avi Goldfarb at the University of Toronto in Canada. Computing advances have often displaced low-paid staff like typists or cashiers while boosting the productivity of well-educated workers, contributing to growing inequality, he says. This time, 
AI is muscling in on higher income jobs. Recent research from OpenAI, the company behind ChatGPT, found that 80% of the U.S. workforce could see 10% of their work tasks affected by the technology. And for 19% of workers, that could rise to at least half. Those most affected would be largely white-collar workers like accountants, journalists, and web designers. It is unlikely that entire jobs will become automated, says Goldfog. And the tasks that AI could help with tend to be ones that feel like time-consuming chores, like writing emails or trawling through documents. So automation could free up workers for more valuable work. See what AI can do for you today on page 39. For most people... It is going to be an enabler, he says. Much depends on how the technology is deployed, says Katya Kilnova at Partnership on AI, which advocates for responsible use of the technology. AI tools could become a personal sidekick that helps workers brainstorm, draft documents, and turn ideas into action, she says. On the other hand, companies may see them as a way to cut labor costs, turning them to generate marketing material, computer code or images, with a dwindling number of humans relegated to filling in the gaps. Rapid expansion in AI capabilities also makes it increasingly unclear what skills workers should nurture, says Kilnova. AI could have a profound impact in education, though at least some of it positive. Concerns have been raised about students using AI tools to do homework, but Victor Lee at Stanford University in California says there is an opportunity to refocus how we assess learning away from the ability to produce well-written essays towards more sophisticated things like comparison, critique, adaptation, refinement. AI could also offer new opportunities for teaching with the advent of tutoring bots that can collaborate and debate with students. Integrating AI into education requires caution, says Lee as these models can incorporate bias from their training data and often make up or hallucinate facts. But he adds that learning how to use these tools will be essential in the workplace of the future. People who don't know how to use AI will be replaced by people who do know how to use the AI, says Lee. There's a little sidebar up here. It says, AI unleashed. Uh, before I continue with the rest of this, revolutionizing... Oh, AI Unleashed, Revolutionizing the Future of Your Business. New Scientist is holding its first event aimed directly at businesses on 28th of September in London. Uh, it says, join us to discover the full implications of AI for your business, learn how to stay ahead of the curve, and hear from senior business leaders and researchers about how AI has already revolutionized their business model. Okay, they're ha hawking their uh, seminar or whatever that is. North Squatch, what's up, North? It says, you don't even need AI for effective propaganda. One million bots repeating the same 1,000 lies over and over works well enough today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep, there, that's, that's really it, right? I mean, pe the, the, the people are the bots I'm assuming you're talking about, right? Because that's what they seem to be like. One million bots repeating the same 1,000 lies over and over, yeah? Works pretty... Well, pretty much today. Uh, continuing here, it says, um, okay, the combination of AI chatbots with voice assistance could push the technology deeper into our personal lives, says Ekaterina Hertog at the University of Oxford in, in the University of Oxford. Oxford, excuse me.
excuse me, and an Alexa on steroids could replace the search engine for ordering groceries, booking hotels, looking up medical advice and a host of everyday tasks, and could see chatbots find different uses. Yeah, I bet, right? People working in this space are already talking about using chatbots as personal conversationalists, a space to vent when they are worried or concerned, says Hertog. The danger is that people could develop unhealthy attachments to convincing AI chatbots, she says, and could be vulnerable to misdirection and disinformation by them. Then again, users may soon have more control over their AI tools thanks to a growing number of open source versions developed by volunteers and made freely available. These can run on laptops and even smartphones rather than relying on the computing power of large companies like OpenAI and Google. Open source models could have a big impact on how you use AI because they can be personalized to your needs by combining them with other software tools or retraining them on your own data. That could reduce worries about sharing personal data with tech corporations. It sounds ridiculously science fiction, but there's a world in which everyone has their own ongoing AI assistant, says an independent researcher and developer, Simon Williamson. North, what's up, man? How you doing? Hey, hey man. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you, sir. All right. Um, yeah, no, but I was talking about bots. Not like actual people, but literal um, dummy uh, bot accounts that have no person behind it. And basically, um, they're just using one master farm account to auto post. Um, this collection of a hundred or a thousand responses based on uh, keywords that the system. So you can have you can have troll farms, which are like actual people that have like a hundred accounts each that are um, manually responding to accounts like they're different people, but then you can also just have straight up like bots. Um, and you don't even need AI for that. It's just, uh, an old school coding, um, algorithm of like, Hey, we're looking for these keywords. Every time you see these keywords, whether it be like climate change or let's see, I don't know, something to do with COVID. Yeah, climate change, COVID, any one of those. Respond with one of these hundred phrases or one of these hundred responses automatically. And the bot program can do that, you know, a thousand times, you know. I see what you mean. So it's basically prompted by it's trawling for these certain things on the web. And when it finds those words, it'll... It'll insert that phrase into the conversation as a comment or something. Yeah, I, I'm mostly thinking like in a Twitter space, but you could also do it on comment boards, Reddit, yeah. you know, Facebook. And a lot of the time, like for, to somebody like me, it's it's obvious when these um, accounts are bots. And there's even um, there's even like uh, web apps that you can like run a, an account through that analyzes its behavior that um, measures the likelihood of whether or not it's a bot account and but to most people they don't really have the 
the experience or sophistication to regularly or easily identify a bot account. And it's it's more of a numbers game. Even even if you can be like, oh, that's a bot account, obviously, and that's a bot account, obviously, you're not going to be able to see all of them. And when there's like, um, you know, millions of them just repeating the same thing over and over, it's the same effect as advertising. Right. It's like you never in your life would have ever thought to buy a Chia pet. But if you see the ad for Chia, you know, a million times in a year, you're walking through the store and you see one on sale. You might get it when otherwise you would not have if you had never seen that advertisement a million times. Um, And that's something that's really obvious. Right. If it's something that's like, hmm kind of subconscious uh something that you don't really have an opinion on and the bots are repeating this opinion a thousand times you might even think to yourself that like that opinion is your own because you've kind of got incepted with it without even knowing that you say that because um i was just having this conversation earlier today um or yesterday actually i talk about it a lot because i had created um i wrote an article some years ago called um, Inception, Extraction, Deception. And you remember the movie Inception? The movie opens up with them going on an extraction mission in which they were trying to get information out of somebody's head, right? And then and then the movie built up to showing that um, an Inception is this super difficult thing to do, right? And that it's like the most, it's almost impossible, right? They built it up so much that that's why the name of the movie is Inception because it's like this almost impossible thing to do. But what you just pointed out is a very good point that I don't know if you, you, you're aware of that or not, but this was the whole premise of the article. was That's why I called it Inception Extraction Deception, because the concept is backwards. Because, you see, what you just said was that incepted, right, by repeating the idea or bringing it to a person's mind by making them think it's their own idea. See, that's how easy an inception is, where the movie made it seem like going in someone's head and making them think an idea is their own is so difficult. When yeah, I think it's, it's that's as simple as, as it is. It's having someone read or hear or look at something as in movies, commercials, and television. Whereas an extraction would be kind of like you um, putting wires on somebody's head and trying to get it to, to play out on a screen or something like that. Which of course, they're trying to do that. A lot of scientists. But that's not yet possible. And that's a lot more difficult. Even if you were to interrogate a person, it's a lot more difficult to get them to tell the truth than it is for you to put an idea or an accept idea into their mind. So that's why the whole idea of Inception, that movie, was completely backwards, at least in the difficult part. Making people agree with them politically. Because they start out with jokes that are authentically funny, right? And they're making you laugh. And then they start to go through their thought process. And if you're enjoying and finding humor in their thought process, you're way more likely to just agree, um, maybe uncritically, with the conclusion that their joke or maybe even just like humorous anecdote leads towards.
Right. That's that's interesting. Yeah, you're you're right though because um, adding humor to something actually adds an element of likability. You know, people tend to to loosen up a little bit more when they're they're laughing. You know, they um, tend to bring down their guard a little bit like that. So I can I can see that too. If, if something amusing is being presented, it could actually um, lead to that kind of would you call that a bias or like an agreement? Um, yeah, I guess a, a bias. Everybody has a bias, even if it's true. Um, but yeah, if you want to make somebody agree with something that they wouldn't normally agree with, first make them laugh and then entertain them, entertain them the whole way through. Yeah. So, do you have any ideas about how um, how AI? Do you have any opinions or any data-driven ideas about how you think AI should be used or could be used for the better? Or what do you think about it coming in the future? Um, I don't really have any sophisticated ideas, but I do believe that we need to start making laws around it and need to start creating, um, you know, punishable crimes for using it improperly, you know, like I, I've always thought that like we should start thinking about in a very conservative, conservative sense, um, making more laws around lying. You know, if you can prove if you can prove somebody lied and they you and you can prove that they lied knowingly and then you can pro prove that their lies um caused a certain amount of damage you know it's got to be it's got to be something more expanded than just like slander laws or or like damages for liability it's got to be i don't know in the world of like ai if you if you send out an ai video that's pretending to be a world leader saying such and such a thing and then that creates um a misconception um and like a mass mass confusion, I think that that should be a punishable offense. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think. Well, yeah. especially if um, the propaganda or something like it, it causes a significant yeah. problem. You know, I mean, in that's general, right. I mean, we don't. I mean, that's why. I mean, aren't there already? Yeah. Um. I think. Uh, I think one of the first things that laws definitely or things like that against is that, um, like certain speech that we need to have laws around right? like uh, deep fake and AI created um, material oh and uh, you're also requiring you're also like a Canada, watermark I mean, what, or some you know sort of digital signature yeah. so that every time something gets made by AI there's some sort of like embedded signature that like proves that it was made by AI, uh, an AI program. And when something is made by AI, doesn't have that signature, it should be treated like an illegal firearm. It should be treated like a, like a unregistered weapon where it's like, hey, this, this piece of material is pretending to be real and it's not. And that in itself should be a crime. Huh. 
Hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's a pretty interesting point. But let me let me ask you something else while I got you up here. What do you think about? Um, do you have you seen anything that sticks out to you? Like, are you do you think you're able to tell the difference between human produced and AI generated propaganda? Probably not. Um, mostly because propaganda is pretty clumsy anyway. Yeah. Um, and even if you could identify, you know, 80 out of 100 examples of AI-generated propaganda, you know, you're not going to be able to get them all. Yeah. I oh, yeah. see that. I've, I've used chat. I've used ChatGPT um, a couple times to like get, help me speed up my writing work, and I just changed like the details that it was asking for. And in the end, like what it spat out to me would like I, you almost couldn't tell the difference between what I would have written and what it wrote because the way that I was supposed to write this piece of document was like business speak you know talk talk in like exec kind of mannerisms and so you're you're so you, you're thinking you're thinking like a robot anyways hmm. when you're writing this stuff so you write you you use ai or or you've recently used it for work related purposes yeah just like basic stuff that's not super important um just to like speed up emails and things like that. Sure. Okay. Well, I appreciate your your perspective. That's some interesting points there. I don't. Uh, I, I first played around with a few AI chatbots just to see what they were and how they worked, and some interesting stuff came about with it. But I, you know, in the end. I get bored with certain things really quickly, and maybe I should look into it some more. But right now, I'll let everybody else be like guinea pigs and test uh, the AI on themselves and test the AI itself. I'm not that interested in it, um, except for the fact that I do have an army of writers who uh, seem like they're either using AI or they are AI themselves that interact with me every day So, and actually write articles for one of my websites. So... We'll see. I wonder what will what will actually come of all that. What it, what it actually is. So, well, I appreciate you, uh, North. I'm gonna jump out of here. And uh, yes, sir. Good talk. Yep. Gotta go. All right, brother. I'm going to. Uh, shut down. This has been uh, 30 minutes or so. There's more to this article to read, but I'm going to jump over to Wisdom and start again because I'd actually like to use this for my Spreaker and other podcasts. So, with that said, th you've been listening to AI-powered propaganda. Artificial intelligence brings myriad opportunities, but the risk to democracy is real. Presented by Hakeem Alibokis Alexander on call-in social podcasting presented for World Reading Club and Technical News Reading in association with
unequilibrium. 